as a result, these businesses should exercise heightened caution and conduct additional due diligence. So beyond screening now, additional due diligence if they detect warning signs of potential sanctions or export violations. So this is an important point that's being made here. In other words, not only do you need to screen, but they're going to require you and they're going to second guess you on the issue of whether you should have done additional due diligence. And that's important. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkov. Hello, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is our episode to review the tripart joint compliance note on evasion of Russia sanctions and export controls issued by the Justice Department, the Department of Commerce, and the Treasury Department. And I thought we would review this really unprecedented compliance release that came out from the Justice Department the Bureau of Industry and Security at the uh, Department of Commerce and OFAC from the Department of Treasury. I've always said, look, the U.S.-Russia sanctions and export control program is unprecedented, and it's a compliance challenge for all organizations. Last year was incredible, and as you know, I even went to the point of saying the person of the year was trade compliance officers throughout you know, the corporate world. But we have yet another unprecedented action. And that's the Justice Department and the Departments of Commerce and Treasury issued a joint compliance note, let's call it the JCN, on the importance of compliance with the Russia sanctions and export control restrictions. And the JCN provides important descriptions of red flags and tactics used by organizations and individuals to evade applicable sanctions and export controls. And in doing so, DOJ, OFAC, and BIS have provided really critical red flag lists and government expectations and alerts to common scenarios that pose high-risk activities. Now, at the same time, it has to be noted that DOJ is ramping up the enforcement of sanctions and export controls against companies, and they have been making speeches. The Deputy Attorney General, Lisa Monaco, made a recent speech about this issue and noted that they were assigning additional resources to their money laundering operation, and in particular, the Bank Integrity Unit, which means they're going to go after more global banks for sanctions evasion. And 25 additional prosecutors are being assigned to the National Security Division for purposes of ramping up corporate enforcement in this area. So I always say you Watch where the resources go because these resources are going to have to produce, and that's what we're going to see. And so, to me, this makes this even more important to review. So, all compliance and trade compliance professionals in particular should review the JCN since it sets out important and instructive information needed to ensure overall trade compliance. And the key focal point, according to the JCN, is the use of third-party intermediaries and transshipment points 
that can be used to evade Russian and Belarusian sanctions and export controls. But again, this is the first collective compliance guidance issued by these three departments, and I think this is unprecedented, and for that reason needs to be attended to. So the JCN underscores the importance that DOJ, OFAC, and BIS place on organizations to implement and maintain risk-based compliance programs. The JCN notes that third-party intermediaries and transshipment points are being used to disguise the involvement of specially designated nationals, SDNs, or parties on the BIS entity list in transactions and to obscure the actual identities of end users. So the JCN provides an important list of red flags to look for if a company suspects that a customer is using a third party to evade sanctions or export controls and they describe recent examples of behaviors and strategies that they've detected used for evasion purposes. So the JCN in particular cited manufacturers, distributors, resellers, and freight forwarders, which are often in the best position to identify whether a transaction or a customer's activity is consistent with industry norms and practices. As a result, these businesses should exercise heightened caution and conduct additional due diligence. So beyond screening now, additional due diligence if they detect warning signs of potential sanctions or export violations. So this is an important point that's being made here. In other words, not only do you need to screen, but they're going to require you and they're going to second guess you on the issue of whether you should have done additional due diligence. And that's important. So the JCN includes an instructive list of common red flags. And this, I think, was put together more by OFAC and BIS. And then we have another list that DOJ put together. But let's go through some of these examples and the red flags that have been identified. So use of corporate vehicles like legal entities such as shell companies and legal arrangements that are used to obscure ownership, source of funds, or countries involved, particularly sanctioned jurisdictions. That's an important red flag. Second, a customer's reluctance to share information about the end use of a product. So a distributor who is unwilling to identify a end user or who's going to use the product and what it's going to be used for. And any reluctance to complete an end user certification form. Third, use of shell companies to conduct international wire transfers, often involving financial institutions in jurisdictions distinct from company registration. So when you see a bank that's involved that's outside the country where the company is registered, that is a red flag and that should be captured. And there are ways to do that, obviously. Fourth, declining customary installation, training, or maintenance of the purchased item or items. And I think this is an interesting one because, in other words, where there's customary services that go with installing the equipment or training people on the equipment or maintaining the equipment, and the customer ultimately declines that, that may be an indication of improper use because they don't want you to know that for obvious reasons. Fifth is... IP addresses that do not correspond to a customer's reported location data. So if you're seeing IP addresses related to this conduct 
or this transaction that are from a different country than where the customer is supposed to be located, that again is another red flag. Six, last minute changes to shipping instructions that appear contrary to customer history or business practices. Seven, payment coming from a third-party country or business not listed on the end-user statement or other applicable end-user form. So there we got third-party payments, which is an issue that we regularly deal with with clients. Eight, we're up to use of personal email accounts instead of company email addresses. Obviously, if you see something like that, that can be another red flag. Nine, operation of complex and or international businesses using residential addresses or addresses common to multiple closely held corporate entities. So if the address of the company goes back to a, an address that's used by many privately held or closely held corporate entities, that can be an indication of a shaky organization. So now number 10, changes to standard letters of engagement that obscure the ultimate customer. Uh, 11th is transactions involving a change in shipments or payments that were previously scheduled for Russia or Belarus. And two more, transactions involving entities with little or no web presence. And that's one thing we always do is look for web presence and uh, the robustness of the website. And finally, routing purchases through certain transshipment points commonly used to illegally redirect restricted items to Russia or Belarus. And such locations may include China, including Hong Kong and Macau, and jurisdictions close to Russia, including Armenia, Turkey, and Uzbekistan. And I would add Eastern European locations to that. We've seen that as well in terms of other locations. Now, when multiple red flags come up, organizations are expected to screen the entities and persons involved and then conduct additional risk-based due diligence on customers, intermediaries, and counterparties. Now, the JCN also highlighted various tactics used by entities and individuals that were identified in representative enforcement actions by DOJ, OFAC, and BIS. For example, and these were mainly DOJ, these examples. In November 2022, oh, actually, this is OFAC and BIS. OFAC designated individuals and entities involved in a global procurement network linked to a Russian microelectronics company, AOPP. PKK Melander, which used a front company to transfer funds from Melander to another front in a third country, which purchased microchips to divert to Russia. OFAC noted in the JCN that its enforcement actions illustrate a range of sanctions evasion techniques, including falsifying transactional documents, omitting information from internal correspondence, and shipping points through third countries. BIS noted as an example its enforcement action against Farago Technologies, a Texas company, for shipping integrated circuit components to Russia through a Bulgarian front company. Finally, DOJ cited criminal cases as it has initiated against those who use front companies and intermediate transshipment points to evade Russia sanctions and export controls. Now, the JCN listed a number of tactics used by individuals to circumvent Russia sanctions and export controls in these criminal cases, including claims that shell companies located in third countries were intermediaries or end users, 
And in one case, DOJ alleges that only one of the five intermediary parties had any visible signage and consisted of an empty room in a strip mall. Second, claims that certain items would be used by entities engaged in activities subject to less stringent oversight. So on at least one occasion, a defendant allegedly claimed that an item would be used by the Russian space program when in fact the item was suitable for military aircraft or missile systems only. Third, dividing shipments of controlled items into multiple smaller shipments to try to avoid law enforcement detection. Fourth, using aliases for the identities of the intermediaries and end users. Fifth, transferring funds from shell companies in foreign jurisdictions into U.S. bank accounts and quickly forwarding or distributing funds to obfuscate the audit trail or the foreign source of the money. And sixth, making false or misleading statements on shipping forms, including underestimating the purchase price of merchandise by more than five times the actual amount. And finally, claiming to do business not on behalf of a restricted end user, but rather on behalf of a U.S.-based shale company. So the JCN concluded also with uh, advocating that any companies that detect a violation should take advantage of voluntary disclosure programs that are maintained by DOJ, OFAC, and BIS. But these examples and the guidance here that's been listed really sets out some standards and baseline third-party due diligence and counterparty due diligence and customer due diligence requirements. And when confronted with any of these kinds of situations or any other red flags, remember it's key to do follow-up due diligence, do more, and document what you do to make sure that you are protected in this situation. But take a look at the JCN, and if you have any questions, feel free to get in touch with us at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week with another episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com. 